Good evening, guys. Just give it a couple of seconds to catch up as always. Here we go. We are live. We are live. Just let a couple of people join as usual, and then we'll get started. So we're a bit late this evening. We had a few technical issues, but that's all sorted now. Here we go. Get that shared out. Get that shared to John's page so people can watch it on John's page. There we go. Good evening, guys. We are live and undrugged episode 12 or 13, I think. I've lost count. Um, we are with uh, John Massey, uh, Britain's longest serving prisoner who served 43 years um, in the prison system. Thanks for coming on, John. It's good to have you. You're welcome. Um, I just want to go back to the start, start of your journey, start of your life, mate, and get, learn a bit about you be, before you went into jail. Uh, how early do you want to go back? Well, um, before I went into jail, um, well, I started work as a apprentice cabinet maker, two shillings an hour, um, various jobs after that, uh, mainly carpentry. And then um, I, I went through the uh, juvenile system of approved school, and then on to Bolstall. And uh, then I hit a jackpot with a life sentence. So um, I guess you could say most of my life has uh, been away from home, you know. So, so can, can we, um, how, how did you end up with a life sentence? Um, went out for a, a drink one night with a, my uh, bank robbing partner and uh, went to a club in Hackney and uh, everyone was enjoying themselves and for some unknown reason it kicked off down there and uh, it just it was like one of those wild west saloon bar brawls you know nobody really knows knows what was going on anyhow we fought our way out out of the place and halfway up the stairs we heard some screams and it was a friend of uh, my mates who'd been left behind. It was only a young kid named Johnny Dove. He was with his girlfriend. He got caught up in all this uh, hullabaloo. And so we had to fight our way back into the club and get him out. But he's, he was horrifically injured in his eyes. He'd been glassed in the eyes. And uh, anyhow, we, we got him out, got him in the car, took him to the hospital. 
um, we were so enraged by it that we uh, decided to go back. But unfortunately for us and for, for them, we were quite near the uh, flock where we kept our weapons, you know, in Hackney. So uh, we armed ourselves and went back. And the, I, the bouncer answered the door. I, I don't really want to say much uh, about him because out of respect for his family, I don't yeah. want him to know. Fair enough. So if we can sort of bypass that, but yeah. the long and short of it is, is uh, he ended up dead, I show him. And uh, regrettably, um, we can't bring him back. So, yeah. And uh, that's what I got the life sentence for. So, so a life sentence is, what, 25 years? No, I received uh, a recommendation of 20 years. A minimum. That means there's no maximum. Right. And uh, I've actually done over over double that. Because when I, when I when it, that's usually the early 70s, so 1974, 75, the British penal system was just run on brutality and ignorance, you know. Yeah. And uh, I kind of received the sentence I couldn't see the end of. And I wasn't prepared to be treated like that. So I fought against the system. And that cost me dearly. In, in terms of physical uh, attacks from the prison officers and length of sentence. And uh, I was category A, I got every three months you got moved, you got uprooted without warning and transferred to any jail in the country. Uh, usually furthest away from home that they could take you. I, I, the furthest I went was um, Franklin in Durham. It's not, it's not too far after that you're in Scotland. So it's, it's, they couldn't have took me further, you know. But if you listen to the Home Office propaganda, they bend over backwards to keep families together and close proximity and all that. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I was an ang angry young man within the system, you know. I, I can imagine. So what's the stigma like of going in for uh, murder? Well, if, if it... Again, I, I don't want to disrespect the family, but for, for me, there was no stigma. Right. If, if, if you're in for murdering a child or something, yeah, there's there's a stigma. Like that, buddy. Good boy. No, I'm sorry, I've got a dog banging the fuss over <laughs> So, yeah, so you're in, um, you're in prison. How old were you then, did you say? I was, I was 26. 26, so, yeah, so you were 26 year old. Um, yeah, I was 17 when I got released. That's a long time. <coughs> long time. Yeah. 
So, so did you just start pushing against the system and pushing against the rules? And yeah, the, for the most part, none of the rules made sense other than Dragon Raider. And uh, uh, it's difficult to describe uh, the life. Well, in the early days, most of the prison officers were ex-squaddies and uh, they come from places like Aden, you know, where they're shooting Arabs and beating up Arabs or whatever. And the British Army from Northern Ireland. And that was their answer to any given problem, violence. And uh, some of the things that were done to me in prison, I felt that these people should have been banged up in the next cell for what they did, because they're supposed to be my guardians, take care of me, look after me, protect me. And they did exactly the opposite. So, and I'm, I, I wouldn't say that they were all the same, there were some good ones, but the trouble is the good ones were intimidated by the bad ones and they went along with things, you know, even if they didn't participate in the violence because they were fearful of uh, losing their jobs or getting or getting more home again. Yeah, See, so... the, the prisons were an enclosed city it's, it's like being on another planet even the police couldn't get into a prison in them days you had no watchdogs no border visitors no uh nowadays it's a little bit more difficult but even today it's still going on in places like belmarsh and, and such you know well you got these uh you got these groups called ds DST, Distinguished Search Team, and they dress in a different uniform to the landing prison officers. It's almost like uh, paramilitary fatigues. Hmm. And they take on uh, an attitude that is, uh, that is completely different from the landing schools. And uh, it's, uh, to me, to my mind, they're dangerous people. Because that's a, a lot. A lot of prisoners have been killed over the years by these heavy-handed tactics, and uh, I, I don't think it'll ever stop. Really, no, I can't imagine what it's like spending watching four decades go by from a prison. What's that like? Seeing it well, from I, I, I made I made a point of. Um, concentrating on getting keeping up with what was going on around the world i got a, i bought a newspaper every day i listened to the radio news programs mostly channel four and uh plus i escaped a few times so to recharge my batteries so i kept um, i kept up with what was going on in the world whereas uh, on the opposite Side to that, you got prisoners just want to lie on their bed all day, smoking puff or whatever. And when they get out, they get a culture shock. 
they just not ready to handle what the change that's gone on. Whereas that didn't really happen to me, you know. Yeah, I, I suppose if you're seeing that many faces coming through and, you know, you're, you're getting visits yeah. from the other side, it's a... Well, plus the... Uh, although it wasn't a nice thing at the time being being moved every three months and uprooted, that taught you how to adapt to any mm. given situation. So uh, it was a handy experience to have, I guess. So even out here now, you, you have to be prepared to adapt to whatever's changing. Yeah. Otherwise you won't survive, you know. Well, no, but I can imagine it's 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 a bit of a change from, like, you know, you went in in in, in the seventies, uh, and then you know, a lot of the prisons, some of them still now, uh, like Victorian, um, going from that and from sort of, um, you know, basic um, cells with yeah. having to slop out every morning. And then going into sort of the, the, the new areas when people like, um, you know, Alan Lord and, and, and people like that gave up some of their freedom to highlight some of the injustices that were going on in prisons. Sure, um, yeah. What, I know what that was like from the outside, to see that from the outside, but what was that like on the inside? What was the feeling like that on the inside? Uh, sorry, I've, I've kind of missed your point there. Well, um, like going from the change from from sort of uh, you know basic cells to you know seeing that then go into um, you know the, the the prisons we have today. Um, oh right, yeah. Well, a f a funny thing is, it's, uh, it's six of one and half a dozen of another, really, because the old uh, style system. You kind of got used to and uh, better suited to it. But whereas the, the more modern, when the prisoners had their shake-up, a lot, a lot of the rules, a lot of the privileges you kind of enjoyed, uh, got used to, uh, disappeared. They changed, as well as the conditions changing, the rules changed as well. I mean, uh, but for the most part, I suppose, that change was always an improvement. You know, going from slop out to going to a cell where you had a toilet installed was only a, a good thing, you know. Mm. But um, I say not all the changes were the good ones, you know. Yeah, I suppose it was, so, you know, um, I guess the rules got harsher in some ways and easier in others, would that be fair to say? Well, remember me saying to you, uh, a lot of rules didn't make sense, didn't have no rhyme or reason to them. I'll give you one example, you make a bit what you will. So for instance, um, I think it was a long line. Long line was quite a progressive jail when I first went there. We had a governor called Jack Williams. He was an old Etonian school tie type, loved his rugby. He didn't care 
what went on really, as long as you weren't smashing the prison up. So he's pretty liberal. And we got used to wearing our own clothes. And uh, say for instance, uh, we had long, long sleeve sweatshirts other than prison garb. And then when the governors changed, they changed the rules said, oh, you can only have short sleeve sweatshirts. So everybody had to cut their sleeves off. And then a year later, you could have long sweatshirts, sweatshirts again. It's crazy. You know? so, yes. yeah, no one knew the reason why these silly rules were introduced. I'm sure it was just just your ignorant people. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine it's... You know, I've spoken to a lot of people now that have done a lot of time um, and the sort of mental cruelty that they yeah. say that they've, they've, they've been through um, on, on long sentences. I, I can only imagine, um, you know, how do you even begin to deal with that mentally? Did your mental health suffer? Um, I, I don't think so, because uh, when you've got the attitude of your fighting the system, you're expecting all these things anyway. And uh, you take them all as a challenge. And every time you get a little victory, it's a bit of a buzz, you know, it may be a silly, trivial little thing, but it, it gives you the impetus to carry on. And uh, as I say, uh, it, it, with my sense, what, what really kept me going was uh, the thought that I could always escape one day, somewhere, sometime. It would happen. Can, can you run me through one of your escapes? Uh, well, uh, the last one was Penderville, and uh, my 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 mother uh, became very ill. She had a brain tumor, so I she couldn't visit anymore. And when she got really bad, I. I begged the authorities to take me to see her. But they point blank refused, you know. I said, look, you can double the escort, you can treble cuff me, you can have police helicopters, do what you like. I just need to see her. No, you're a security risk. Now, I don't know how um, you can be that much of a security risk that they couldn't handle it. If they can handle terrorists and everything else, Sure, they could handle little old me, you know. So anyhow, um, the call was so great to see her. Yeah, every everybody loves their mum. They've only got one mum and so. And for her to pass without me saying goodbye would traumatise me for the rest of my life. So I knew I had to do it. So uh, I set up an escape from the gymnasium. I was a gym only. Uh, they kind of headhunted me to do their DIY jobs. Uh, so I had access to the tool cupboards. Then I noticed in the um, officer's toilet and shower area, 
which I could have access to as well as Jim Audley, there was uh, a trap door in the ceiling with a bolt and a padlock. So um, I opened the bolt so that it would bypass the padlock and got up into the roof space. And there was a big heavy set of bars underneath the skylight, which I used a, a socket set on, removed the bars, and then had to build a platform of uh, Reebok step-ups to reach the skylight. Broke the seal with a 20 kilo weight. And I'm all set to I'm all set to go now. And uh, I I used to be up there for about 10 minutes a day doing it. And I could dummy the lock so that it wouldn't notice. But then all of a sudden, before I was really ready to go, they called a security audit. That means every lock, bolt and bar in the prison gets tested. And uh, I kind of panicked. I thought oh, I was going to get discovered any second. But um, human beings being what they are, they bypassed it. They just looked up it and said that it was all right and didn't even test it. Had they got the step ladders and got up to it and tested it, they would have, I would have been discovered. But they didn't. So shortly after that, before they could come back for a second uh, look, I made me on my way up to the space and escaped under the wall. And, uh, apparently, I was the oldest man ever to scale the wall. I think I was 65 then. Yeah. That's that's a feat in itself, isn't it? Because the walls are absolutely massive. It, well, I'm terrified of heights. It's one thing I don't like. I remember going across the motorway footbridge once on all fours. So I had vertigo. So what I did, I, I knew it's going to be a, a real problem for me, this the height of the wall. So I managed to get the, some rope out of five or so football goalposts and use a carabiner and attach it where the, the bars were there were. And I as I come up out of the skyline, I clung to this rope and just threw myself over the rest of the wall. And uh without looking. If I'd have looked I'd probably never have done it. Um and I'm hanging on to this rope and it caught round caught round my arm and tighten, so I was hanging there halfway up, halfway down. So as I unraveled it, I thought it's come away too quick, and I fell the rest of the way. And uh, I sprained my ankle, but I didn't, I didn't really feel it at the time, or with the adrenaline going for me. And there was a prison officer coming up about 10 yards away from me, and he stopped, and I, I knew him, his name was George. He used to work in the stores and uh, I thought, well, fuck's sake, George, don't come at me because I've, I've come this far, you know. And uh, when he found his voice, he went, J -j John, what the hell do you think you're doing? I said, sorry, George, I ain't got time to rub it. And I just flew past him over another wall through a block of flats where the prison officers live and out into the Cali. 
and that was it. I was away free, and I got to see my mum and the home office, the old prison network can't take that away from me. So that, that, <laughs> that, that must have been um, a, a massive time of paranoia, always looking over your shoulder. Yeah, someone's ringing his phone on. Hey, can you still hear me? I can, yeah. Uh, um, just as long as you don't answer that, I think you'll be all right. Uh, Bell? Oh, it's all right. They're gone, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so can, can, you, can you describe that feeling of, you know, you, you, you've, you've escaped and, you know, I know you got to see your mum and spend some time with your mum, but, you know, what, what what's that like? Yeah, it was... Absolutely beautiful. And uh, I'd have done another four years to, to, to have that feeling. Um, I, I saw my mum in, uh, in a kind of safe house. And as I walked in, she was sitting uh, on the settee, on the not looking, she didn't see me. And I went and sat beside her. I put my arm around and she looked around and the most Beautific smile. Uh, that picture is in my brain forever. That was a lovely moment. And uh, not too long after that, she passed away. So, so um, I'd have done another hundred years. There's no threat that they could put to me mm. to stop me doing that. No threat. So how long were you out for? Not too long. I, I think I was only out a few days. My mind, but I wasn't escaping to escape per se, as it were. Although that would have been nice, I guess. But I didn't. Uh, I didn't really care after I saw my arm, you know. And um, plus, they had some special force out looking for me. I must have. Uh, Cause a bit of embarrassment in the home office. So whatever would happen, it would have been difficult to stay at Lowe's anyway. Uh, I was kind of public enemy man number one then. Was, uh, I embarrassed the system. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they don't like that, do they? Well, they don't like you escaping anyway, but to escape during the security audit is just a, a slap in the face, I guess. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be impossible. Yeah, well, from, from what I've been told by several people, it's, it's, it's not impossible. Um, you know, anything's possible when it comes to desperate men, I guess. I'm saying this is why the security audit is going on in the prison. You know, it's, uh, where they're literally testing every lock, window, bar, door, I had a bit of good fortune, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So, um, did you sort of like get any trouble from any of the um, other inmates? Did that, you know? No, for Christ's sake, no. They were all cheering when I found that. Although, 
they weren't too pleased that the gym got closed down because of it. Mm. But even so, they uh, there was no ill feeling there for me. It was only congratulations, you know, and they were cheering about it. Because it was a little victory for them as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Any, anyone who has one over on the system, it, it's a bit of a... A nice moment for everybody in the prison. Yeah. So you've you've done you, you know you, you've done 42, 43 years, and um, what was it like coming to the end of that? And how did how did you get get that rolling? Was that via appeal? Was that via uh, parole? Or? Well, um, funny enough, after the escape. There were a lot of uh, detrimental comments in the press or whatever, but there were also some very good ones from people like the ex-governors saying, well, if, you, if you'd have treated this man properly, he wouldn't have done it, like, you know. And then there was even MPs asking the question, why is this man still in prison after all this length of time? What's he done? And um, so... I ended up in um, a prison called Warren Hill. I think it's quite near you, isn't it? Yeah, it's not too far. And it was one of the home offices brainchild where if you were banned or barred from going to a Category D open prison, this is where you went. And you had to go through three-stage course to merit parole. So... Uh, I had to fill in all these forms and silly questionnaires and whatever, which for the most part I gave to a guy on the landing opposite me to fill in. I couldn't be asked for them, you know. And then she came back and said, well done, John, that was good work. So one thing I noticed um, about the parole board whenever I went in, after the numerous knockbacks I got, was they always had a young picture of me on on the prison record. And I kind of thought, they keep looking at this photograph of the young me and think, oh, he could do another 10 strikes. I mean, it's probably not that at all, but um, I decided on my last parole, parole board, I'd grow this beer. And uh, I walked in a little bit doddery. And lo and behold, I got parole. But I, I think it was already written anyway that I was going to get parole because in the end, uh, I I got the, the fastest release of any lifer I've ever known. I don't think anyone's done it before. I got a parole board on a Monday. I got the answer on a Tuesday. I got kicked out on a Wednesday. It's, I don't know if it's ever been. You have to wait a minimum of two weeks for a parole answer. And then you have to wait a couple of months to get probation and all that set in place, accommodation, et cetera, et cetera. So I literally got released within three days, which I was very pleased about because waiting, knowing that you've got parole and having to wait months can be quite difficult in itself. Right? 
Yeah. So how did you um, how did you find adjusting to the outside when you first got out? Was that 2018, was it? Like a Dutch of water. Like people, numerous prison officers, governors said, oh, John, you're going to find it very difficult out there. You find it. It's, uh, I went, no. I said, in here is the unnatural environment. Out there is the normal one. I'm not going to find it difficult one bit. And for the most part, that's true. Although there are, there are some difficult times, but I wouldn't swap them to go back there, that's for sure. No, no. So what do you do with your time now? Well, apart from speaking here. Yeah. <laughs> I've, um, well, I've written a book, which is uh, it's on sale now. It's called Locks, Bolts and Bars which is quite fitting because uh, the call that you hear every day in prison is LBBs. When the two prisoners come in the cell, test the bars with their truncheon and whack the walls out. It's called LBBs, which stands for Locks, Bolts and Bars. So that's the title of the, my book. And uh, so I've done... Um, a few, I did, I, I did a few interviews and what have you. I get hounded for people to do documentaries. But in between all that, I still do my carpentry. I do uh, the odd jobs here and there. Um, uh, I can't really say too much about it. Because when I, when I came home, they, in their wisdom, they refused me a state pension. Right because they said I haven't paid any stamps. But work in prison is compulsory. You have no choice. If you refuse to work, you get taken down the seg unit and punished. And not only are you working, but you're working for slave wages. Mm -hmm. According to the, uh, the factories act that go back probably to the 1800s, prisoners have no rights. So those factories acts, and especially those pertaining to prisoners, need to be updated and brought into the modern world because they're archaic. So forty-three years I have worked slave labour. Is that not worth a stamp mm. and a state pension? So you've 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 got to survive on your sort of own volition, really. No, I still get a small pension, but it's called pension credits. But it means I'm not I'm not allowed. See, when I first came home, I thought I'd do everything correct, everything right. I spent a lot of money doing the CFCS course to get a card that enables you to go onto sites. And uh, I had a friend in Morgan who had a company would have given me all the work I could handle, seven days a week. So I did half a day for him as a trial, and they decided to stop my pension credits for three weeks over a Christmas period. Because I did it straight, I did it through the cards, you know, paid me taxes. So what they're saying is, I'm not allowed to earn a penny. 
otherwise they stop that pension. But with a state pension, you're allowed to earn up to, I think, was it 16 grand a year before they can stop your pension? Mm. So, um, so it's no wonder there's a revolving door syndrome with prisons because they tend to slam every door in your face where you're trying to help yourself. Mm. Yeah, this 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 is the um, general yeah. consensus from everyone that I've spoken to. And to make matters worse, I think it was Blunkett, previous Home Secretary, decided to bring out a law that says prisoners were prohibited from earning from their past history, which obviously doesn't apply to crooked politicians writing their memoirs. Mm. You know, so for instance, I'm doing this podcast. If it was a paying gig, I mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to take the money. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. So, to crime. Yes. Well, it ain't crime, is it? It's my mm -hmm. history. I paid my debt. The same as any of these crooked politicians, uh, like Jeffrey Arthur, for example, made a fortune. So, um, it's crazy. So all that nonsense about, yeah, you've paid your price, welcome back to the fold. You never become a, a full-fledged citizen ever again. You're always an ex-this or an ex-that. So there's a lot of hypocrisy. Mm. And uh, a law for them, a law for us. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that too. Um, I wanted to ask you um, at any time, um, have you thought about or, you know, done any sort of recompense to the family of, um, of the man whose life you took? Yeah, I've, I've thought about that, but um, it's not something that's that easy. For for the main part, they don't they don't want to know you. They wouldn't want it. They wouldn't accept it. You know, it's one of those things. For the family concerned, it's unforgivable. You know, it's something I've got to live with as well. So, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Down the line, if 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 they were open to that, would you? Um, for sure, for sure. I would, but I I really can't foresee that I could be of any great assistance that way. I, you know, I'm I'm barely surviving myself. I get, I get that. Um, you know, um, are you sorry? For sure, I am. Yeah. Um, but even then, um, the guy himself had his own responsibilities, you know, there's a lot of things he did wrong. And, uh, he's sure if I could, if I could press a button, bring him back, obviously I would, but I can't. And it's just pointless to keep talking about it, you know, it's... What's done is done. You can't undo it. 
either uh, accept it and move on. Yeah, I, 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 well, that sounds a bit callous, but I don't mean it to sound that way. But no, I, I understand. I understand. Um, you know, and, uh, and obviously, I can't keep beating myself up. Either. I had 43 years of trauma in there anyway. And uh, how long do you beat yourself up over it? Life goes on. I've got responsibilities to my family to continue and to be well and support us. Yeah. So what's next for, for John Massey? Um, I'm just taking each day as it comes, really. Um, just enjoy what life I have left. I mean, I'll be, I'll be 75 next month. I'm, I'm not going to live forever. This, this state has had the best part of my life. Yeah, I understand that. I do understand that. Um, so where can we get your book? Uh, you can get it in any um, bookstore or order pre-order it on Amazon. And um, I think it retails for 20 quid. It's in hardback at the moment. Maybe the paperback, if it comes out, would be cheaper. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I just want to thank you for coming on, mate, and um, being open and honest to, you know, and, and being willing to answer my questions. Um, you know, I know not all questions are easy to answer. So, um, yeah, um, thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, guys. So, I, I thought, yeah, other people there that had questions, but... Um... Yeah, we have got people watching that, that are... Um, uh, this this is live on Facebook, so um, there will be people sort of watching right now, and uh, this will go on to YouTube uh, maybe tonight, probably tomorrow, uh, and the audio will go on Spotify. Uh, all the links will be sent to you, um, so you can put them out um, on your page as well. Sure. So if they if they have any questions, I'll gladly answer any questions they've got. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, any questions, guys, put them in the comments um, and we'll get John to answer them um, over time. I know there are a few people um, watching now, but um, yeah, some, sometime over, uh, over the next 24 hours, if you want to put your um, questions in the comments, we'll get John to answer them. Um, and that would be absolutely fantastic. Um Cheers, Jack. Thank you, mate. Cheers, guys, for tuning in, as always. And I'll see you again in the next week or two. Cheers, guys. Bye.